Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, what is up? Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. This one's a little different. If you hear any background noise, that's Clint Casper moving around there. He's he's riding with me on these ads. What's up, Clint? What up? <laughs> uh, the podcast is presented by HHA Sports. We talk about them all the time. Single pin nation. We just got to get Clint converted over to that game. Um, use code WCB15 at HHASports.com. I think that code's right. Um, also, Scent Crusher. Talk about our Scent Crusher stuff all the time. Love our scent eliminating products. Um, also, check out, go to the Scent Crusher Facebook page and go see the live interview that Dan uh, was awesome enough to have me in for a live interview on their page. So, go check that out. Um, also North American whitetail championship. You can kill a buck, win your region and win 50 grand just for doing something you would have done anyway, which is pretty awesome. Um, podcast is also brought to you by elite archery. That's something else Clint doesn't use, but he should because he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Elite just dropped their new line of bows. And our opinion, we think it's going to be a game changer, uh, for the average person at home, especially ease of use. You don't need a bow press to tune the thing. Um, and for target archers, a lot of stuff, they want to make an adjustment on a, on a shooting line and they can, they can do it right there. Um, something Clint Casper does finally support us on is Lone Wolf custom gear. And if you're not familiar with Lone Wolf custom gear, um, Andre DeQuisto and Cody DeQuisto, DeQuisto just brought you this kick ass line of the ultimate and hunting tree stands, uh, the DeQuisto series 1.0. Co- um, Clint's familiar with that setup. Yes, I want to just add real quick, it is an invaluable tool that needs to be looked at as a tool. It is not just a tree stand, not just a set of sticks. Keep this in mind. It is a tool. I just want everybody that I want I want, want that to be heard throughout this podcast and, and whatnot. That it is a tool. 
It is not just a tree stand and not just an old-fashioned set of sticks. And once you get your hands on them, you'll see what I'm talking about. It is a game-changing tool. Mark that down. I'm saying it. Everyone's saying it that uses them. Once you touch them and actually use them, you'll see what I mean. But remember this. It is a tool, not just another tree stand. Hey, what did you compare it to? Was it like you could... How oh, the last podcast you could dig a trench using a, a spade. I said, oh yeah, I said you could use a. I said you can dig a trench. You could use a spade shovel, or I said you can use a freaking backhoe and get it done in you know a, a eighth of the freaking time and not have to work your your dick off while you're doing it. <laughs> and it's way more efficient. And at the end of the day, you can sit back and be like, wow, you know, man, old times have changed, new times are in. I mean, like I said, it is it is a tool <laughs> that everybody needs to look at, and once you get your hands on, you'll understand what I'm saying. But it's it's not just your old fashioned tree stand that you throw up in an oak with a, some set sticks and you leave it there. I mean, it, it's this is a game changer, and it's yep. a it's a tool that everybody that's going to seriously hunt whitetails needs to have in their arsenal. For sure, for sure. We'll talk more about probably. I imagine we're going to get into mobile hunting. <clears throat> a little bit in this podcast, oh, yeah. but um, if you're interested, LoneWolfCustomGear.com. Use code WCB for everything on their store, and also check out the DeQuisto series podcast found here or their YouTube channel. Um, podcast also brought to you by Big Time and Hunter's Blend Coffee. Clint, I'm going to play the intro music really fast. Here it goes. All right, as you know, Clint Casper is here for a podcast. It feels like it's been a little bit. I don't know how long it's actually been. I've like lost track of time. But what's going on, dude? Not much, my man. Yeah, it's uh, ugh, uh, I. August, right? I think we did we did one yeah. in August, I think. I think it was like right before I left for Colorado and got everything yeah. kicked off, I believe, because uh uh yeah, we were talking about that and early season whitetails and that's I mean, it sounds like it wasn't that long ago, and I guess it wasn't in a way, but then when you think about it, you're like, Oh man, it's like about to be November here in another day. So right, I guess it I was was a couple months I mean I, you know, it was it was a little bit ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we sh- we need to do them often, but I think sometimes people don't understand like how busy our schedules are. Like, I, we're oh. doing this. This for me, this is late. Like, this is way past my bedtime. We're recording this. This is why we're doing it one on one. We wanted to get it done, but our schedules aren't working. Um, so it's we're kind of we're making this happen, and which is fine. We've done one on one podcasts before, and we're yep. capable. They're not as crazy because Steve and Eric and Doug aren't here, but um, we might get more to uh, to the point of point of conversation or we might not we might go way the hell the other direction i don't know yeah for sure no i mean it's uh it's always a lot harder to mix schedules together whenever you know you got kids involved and, and jobs and you, and we're right in the middle of hunting season and i mean we're taking crops off and i mean you yeah. know it's just you just bought another you know uh speaking of you know the, the, the new the new crib you and sam just got congrats on that thanks for you guys Super excited about that for you. But yeah, I mean, just 8 million things going on. I mean, I've, you know, I've already been in like four or five states this fall and you've been in a couple states and it's just, yeah, just a lot going on. So it's, it's not as easy as it sounds to jump on and, and get this done. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it, it sounds a lot easier than what it really is whenever you're, you're blending everyone's schedules together. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, man, we're, ma- we're making it happen. It's like 10 15 here in Ohio. It's what? 9 15 there. We're yep, freaking yep. past my bedtime. Not- yeah. No, I'm with, <laughs> with you, dude. There's I'm people laughing the, like 9 uh, 15. I'm like, dang, I dude, know. I get up at 4 a.m. Yep. No, I'm with you, man. I'm totally with you. Like I tell everybody all the time, I'm like, Hey, you hit 30 years old and over, like nine o'clock rolls around. I'm like, yep, time for bed. <laughs> no shit. Especially, man. It's like, uh, I'm thankful for like all the hustle, but like the day yep. job, the podcast work, a bunch of other stuff. Then, you know, throw hunting in the mix too. You got to try and do that. And then it's yep. just, uh, it's all good things. You know, it's good things to be busy with that stuff, but, um, it, you know, come, uh, hopefully December, January when I'm hopefully tagged out by then, I'll be a little relaxed. So, yep. No, I'm with you. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's fun to be busy, but it sure does take its toll. And after a while, it's like, you start looking more and more forward to that. Like, Oh, yep. Up nine o'clock. I can go to bed now. It's cool. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, dude, so you went to, what was the first day you went to? So I kicked off this year in Colorado chasing, um, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> The almighty great mule deer hunt that everyone probably has gotten tired of hearing me talk about and <laughs> was probably ready for me just to freaking get one fucking killed so they could be <laughs> like, thank God this dude got it done so we can hear about it and move forward. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I kicked it off in Colorado, um, awesome. solo on public. It was, uh, okay. So solo go back to that a little bit because. Yep. I feel a hunt like that for the average Midwestern dude that I would say if you're a Midwestern guy or gal and you're thinking about going out West and you make a commitment to go, you're already above average there. Um, yeah. Because yep. a lot of people always talk about it and never do it. And that's a sad, yep. sad reality for a lot of people. They want to do it, but they don't take the initiative to force themselves yep. to go. But once yep. you go, you realize how attainable some of it can be. Um, but to do it solo to me is one of those things that takes more years of experience of taking the dive out to the great Western States that every Midwestern hunter dreams about. Um, yep. So I want to make sure why we, why you tell your story that people remember you're by yourself. You don't yep. have anyone to like have camaraderie with through the suck of climbing a mountain or being in whatever you're in. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, it was 1,606 miles on the dot from my house to the trailhead where I was going to park to get this all started off. Did, I had, uh, did you drive? Oh, yeah. 20, uh, 26, 26 hours and 42 minutes one way. Yep. Damn. I wanted to have, I wanted to have my own rig. Um, you know, there's just, there's, I've done enough of these solo deals, um, to the point of where if you can, drive and have your own rig um it's almost a comfort thing in a way like it's just nice yeah like like it's it's the only part of my normal life that i'm taking with me like when i go out to idaho colorado utah i mean like i've done solo deals where i fly in a buddy picks me up he drops me off okay see you in eight or nine days pick you back up take you to the airport which I mean, that's cool because I can be in Colorado in a couple hours, but it's nice to have like your own rig because there's just so many things you can't control. Like you might 
you know, you might have to go to your plan like C, D, E because A, B, and C have just totally gone to shit. And now you need to go to the other side of the unit and you basically need to drive to the other side to, you know, I mean, or, or maybe, you know, maybe you're just not finding game or maybe, you know, snow blows in, roads are closed. I mean, you know, there's so many things that can happen where it's just nice to have your own rig. So my whole philosophy was, this is this was a four year quest in Colorado. This is going to be my fourth trip. Um, four year fourth, time going fourth year going yep. for a mule deer. Just yep, a mule this deer. This was yep fourth. This was the fourth year. Um, and for me, because I've been fortunate enough to kill so many whitetails and 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 been blessed to kill so many good whitetails, the mule deer thing for me was it wasn't just a mule deer. I wanted to dive in and start right in basically getting my ass kicked hunting mature big mule deer you know it yeah. wasn't for, for me it wasn't just i want to go out and shoot the first mule deer buck i see it was i want to go out and i want to hunt like either the biggest buck on the mountain or one of the biggest bucks on the mountain and that's like my new obsession and it, it's 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 been a, up to this point it's been three years so this is my fourth year I had not released an arrow yet. I mean, I've been on, I had been at full draw four times in the previous three trips on probably, you know, I, I'll say 170 plus bucks. Um, one of them would have probably pushed the magical 200 inch mark or, or damn, or damn close. So, you know, I was right there knocking on the door, but just, just, just everything had constantly not worked for me and, and, and worked against me when it came down to like the last few seconds, you know, whether it was bucks walking off, uh, not, not, not coming in a lane that I had, um, just, you know, just the unthinkable happening where you're like, okay, he's 40 yards. There's no way he's going to get out of here without me killing him. And somehow, some way it would happen. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, so for, for me, it was like, uh, Oh dude, that's crazy. Such a quest. <laughs> yeah, well, it's crazy to think because when a Midwestern hunter plans on a hunt out west, you don't you don't necessarily imagine coming home empty-handed after all like the big dreams and just oh, yeah. anticipation of like, oh, I'm going to yep. see so many animals, but when you come yep. back, you don't think about coming home empty-handed and going, "Fuck, yep. I got to plan a trip for next year to go back." A lot of yep. people might just skip that and go back another year, which I kind of did with my elk hunt like but I didn't necessarily expect to come home with an animal. I knew like probability yep. is you're not going to come home with anything. Like that's just the reality yeah. of bow hunting. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. But you know, I do want to go back and I will. I just had the opportunity to hunt different stuff this year, but yep. um, I definitely want to go back. You know, it's, it's on my Western bucket list. Yep. Oh, and it's, it's so like for me, the different style that like, the um western hunting brings like to the bow hunting scheme of things i mean it's it's a i mean you have talked about this i mean you're going from playing cat and mouse in stands and blinds and stuff hunting whitetails to glassing and spotting and stalking it's it's just a totally different game and it's just it it totally um from antelope to elk to mule deer to you know mountain lion i mean you name it i've i've done it in the last five or six years and it's like for me that style of hunting um like the art that goes into solo hunts and the mental part like the mental game 
it's just captivated me on every level. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. I just almost feel like I was born to hunt like that. So it's been like this, like crazy obsession, I guess you could say that I've had here of recent and the mule deer game. I mean, it was so much more, um, than, than just, than just a mule deer. I mean, just surviving eight, nine, 10, 11 days in the back country in Colorado. If you can just mentally stay out there, for five, six, seven days, honestly, you've accomplished something that not trying to sound like a dick, but 99% of most dudes will never even attempt to do because it's just, it's, it's just that hard. I mean, it's, it's mentally draining to not have someone to lean on or to not have someone to bounce ideas on or, I mean, shit, there's some spots and some units I would go five or six days before I bought a Garmin inReach um, mini this year. I would be in spots where I might not communicate with the world for four or five days till I got service again. Yeah, I mean, that's it was wild just, for I a mean, lot of people to think about. That is crazy for anyone nowadays because yep, you have service yep, almost everywhere. Yeah, yep, yep. I mean, the first, the the no, let's see, the second year I went, I was there nine days in that unit, and out of the nine days, I only communicated or had service two times in those nine days to like. <laughs> I called out once and I had service one day enough to like text back home uh, a little bit. But I mean, realistically, like it was me and the mountain. I mean, that yeah. was, you know, that was, that was it. But, so but why I'm do you choose in, to do that though? Like why, what this mule deer hunt, why are we like, I'm going by myself? Like, why did you set up for uh, that, I, that type of hunt? Cause you have a ton of people that would have gone with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I just like, I like the challenge that the solo hunts bring, um, mainly because it's just uh, it's it's people look at it as it's you versus the animal or or it's it's you versus the mountain. But honestly, it's it's you versus you. Like you're either your biggest hero or you're your worst enemy, and it's like a huge mental game with yourself. Like. Mm-hmm. Are you going to mentally keep yourself in the game and not let yourself get homesick? Are you going to mentally make the right decisions to keep yourself alive out there every day? Are you going to mentally make the right decisions to get a buck killed? You know, are you going to know where to camp or not to camp? I mean, it's a, it's an adventure at every turn for me. And it's more of, I've, 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 you know, people get like, I get asked this all the time, you know, don't you feel pressure from like companies you work for, or don't you feel pressure because people listen to you on the podcast and they expect you to kill. And honestly, like there's nobody or no company, no one out there that will ever put more pressure on me than I put on myself. I mean, I just like, like I play that game with myself constantly. I mean, I am my biggest critic. The well, minute, well, because of that reason is why companies work with you though. You know, they wouldn't work. Yeah. If, right. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. I mean like, like it's a, like it's a good trait, I guess you could say that I have in myself, but it's also like, I push myself to the extreme limits of what I've ever thought was capable of doing, whether it's, it's training for hunts on hunts, um, you know, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that I could shoot the distances I shoot right now as accurately as I do, I would have said there's there's no way. But I've just pushed myself to those limits. So these hunts, they're like my title. Like when I get to go solo, it's like my title fight, my Super Bowl, my World Series, whatever you want to call a great, it. Like great way to put that, I think. Yeah, like like I'm getting to test 
honestly, like how mentally and physically tough or, you know, some guys want to like, like judge it off the badass meter. Like basically I'm getting to go out there and be like, okay, dude, you want to call yourself a badass? You want to think you're a badass? We're going to, you're going to go out in Colorado 15 miles in for nine days. And we're going to see, are you as badass as what you think you are? I mean, and that's basically what it boils down to is like mentally and physically, can you, can you live out there long enough and sustain yourself long enough to get a mule deer buck killed or to get an elk killed? Or, um, like I said, even just surviving, even if you go down swinging, which I've done the last three years, I've went down swinging, haven't even, I have not, the first arrow I released at a mule deer buck was this year on the buck I killed. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's not even about, the 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 i mean obviously anytime you go on a hunt you want to punch your tag and you want to harvest something right. but like for me it's been so much more about just proving to myself like okay you know this is hard the success rate's 13 percent on most of these archery mule deer hunts <laughs> i mean like it's not good like right, the odds yeah. are not in your favor well let's but, let's bounce that though let and sorry if i'm cutting your story short um no no you're good man with with keeping that success rate in the back of your head and you're going out here by yourself okay you've chosen an area you're gonna go okay yep. you get to the trailhead now what so once i drew this unit um immediately it was on X Google earth just constantly. I mean, I felt like I had been in the unit before I ever stepped foot on it. And I felt like I knew it like the back of my hand because I had had five or six game plans already kind of put together. Like, okay, if there's pressure here, I'm going to do this. And, and honestly, it's funny. As soon as I got there, I get to the trailhead. I start in, I'm like four miles in and I run into a ton of free range sheep. And anybody that hunts out west knows uh, herds of, you know, cattle, thousands of cattle, thousands of sheep, not good. Um, where they are is where animals will not be. Yeah. So right off the rip, I'm four or five miles in. I'm actually hunkered down. Big storm's blowing in. First, first big storm of the trip. I'm hunkered under this pine, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to ride this storm out. Um Took a, took a little video. I was trying to keep like a daily log of like what was going on, you know, and I'm taking this video and I can hear something while I'm doing the video off my cell phone. And I look behind me and off in the distance, I just see him coming up over this saddle. I mean, just hundreds of head of sheep and sheep dogs. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> like I mean, they oh my were gosh. pouring. They're pouring down into this freaking basin that I'm, I'm wanting to potentially start in. Um, so right off the rip, it was, okay, we got to change on the fly. We got to go to plan B. Like I wasn't even too, I wasn't even halfway into where I wanted to go and already was having to make, you know, make adjustment on the fly. Um, but there again, though, that goes back to sustaining yourself and being able to, predict and and make decisions on the go and there's you know there's nobody to bounce that shit off of i mean it's a it's a it's a you versus you world out there so you know that that kind of stuff problem solving is like 90 percent of these solo trips i mean you've got to be able to in the moment you know think okay 
here's what I'm looking at. Here's what I'm seeing. This is not what I was hoping to see. So now we're going to transition from plan A to plan B because plan A in plain words just got fucking shot in the asshole with a shotgun. So now <laughs> yes. we're going to, so now we're going to go to plan B. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's where, that's where we're at now. Um, so, you know, and, but, but like for me, that's part of the fun. Like that's, yeah. that's, you know, that's part of the adventure at every turn is you don't know, you think, you know, and you've got these plans, but then you get there and it's like, shit, there's 29 trucks at this trailhead. Um, or, <laughs> yep. or there's, there's 3000 head of sheep or there's 1500 head of cattle with 15 dogs with them running around with bells tied to them. Now what? Like, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, that's, and like, that's real world public land mule deer hunting. I mean, like if you do it long enough, you're going to, you will run in and see that, especially in Colorado, tons of free range sheep. I mean, ranchers and, and cattlemen and stuff. I mean, they take use and make good use of being able to run, you know, livestock on those public lands. So you're, you right. know, you're going to run into that sooner or later. So did you just, you packed up out of there. It's time for plan B. And I'm like, how far is your plan B from your plan A? So plan, plan A at that point, I was like four miles in and I was wanting to get to like mile six plan B was basically wrapping around the other side of this big basin and diving into this other basin. So I, I was only going to add like another mile or two. So, and, and that ended up being, that ended up working out. Um, I think I was almost eight miles in when I actually got into camp that afternoon and got set up and then was able to glass that evening. Um, and you know, I thought I had a couple days before the sheep might make it back to that area. They had already been there. It looked like prior, um, you know, they kind of make just big circles. So I thought, okay, well, I should have a couple days in here without them being in here. Hopefully, um, you know, obviously I didn't, I didn't get to talk to any ranchers or anybody and like ask like, Hey, when, are, you know, when are you gonna get these damn things out of here or anything? So I was just kind of going off my gut of, okay, they're wrapping around this basin. They should probably be in here a few days, be over there a few days. So hopefully they're not over where I'm at for, you know, I was hoping I would get at least a good four or five days before I ran into them again. But, uh-huh. you know, that was just kind of there again, that, that was my, thought process i mean that's not set in stone that's just what i was you know kind of hoping and thinking was going to happen um and it ended up working out you know i i got up i got up uh, in glass that night and um the season had opened let's see i got in there on the the second season opened i believe the 29th of august and i got in there um easton started school uh on like the 30th or the 31st so then by the time i got out there i actually didn't get out there till like four or five days into season um so yeah so i was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit i was anticipating him starting school earlier than that but they they moved it back a week so that was another thing like i wanted to be there for the opener but i wasn't gonna miss his first day of of going into preschool there's you know there's just no way i was gonna miss it so i'm like all right well gonna have to make a change on the fly and i you know it was like four or five days into season until i even got there um so when, once you get once you get there now that season's already going and you're this far back are you have you seen any other hunters that far in or is it rare or oh yeah there were trucks and trailers i mean like out, once you're miles out. back in there like once you're six seven eight miles back yeah i mean i i separated myself after about mile five 
from most of most people. I mean, a lot of guys, um, they day hunt a lot or they just don't want to go in that deep. Um, and I mean, I get that. I mean, you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, like, you know, there's a lot of guys that will solo hunt, but they're not going to stray too far from their truck just, just, just because of like safety of comfort and just, just like the comfort zone. I mean, and you know, it takes time to like mentally kind of, I guess, let your guard down and kind of trust in yourself and your, and your instincts to like get back in there nine, 10, 11, 12 miles. Cause here's the deal. Like reality is reality. You break your leg back there or something bad happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 10, 12, you know, 10, 12 miles in. I mean, like, it's serious, you know, like, like that's serious. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, uh, it's a different just, ball game. It's in the yeah. Midwest. Oh, yeah. You break your leg just about anywhere. Someone can get to you. Oh yeah. Yep. And you can call somebody. Yep, absolutely. And, and it's a, uh, it's a different flavor of the mind game because, you know, like here in Ohio, let's say, uh, God forbid I fall out of my stand climbing in or, or whatever. I break my leg. Okay. I can call a hundred people that can be there within 25 minutes to get me out and get me help. You break your leg at mile 12.7, uh, 13,000 feet up in the back country of Colorado. Um, you are up shit Creek without any paddles and you're blindfolded at that point. I mean, it's, it's a totally different, you know, now like I run that Garmin mini in reach and I mean, it has the Oh shit SOS button. So, like, you know, if something really bad happens, you can press that button and you're going to have like, you know, whether it's the forestry service or whether it's, you know, um, you know, the, the, the fire and rescue, you're like, you will have someone notified that will be there in a few hours. But here's the deal. If it's really, really bad, you might not have a few hours. I mean, right, right. You know, you, you fall off a cliff and knock yourself out and can't press the button. Uh, and wake up and are half unconscious and, and your head split open. Like you don't have three or four hours to sit there while you're bleeding out waiting. I mean, so like it's, you know, it is a different, it's a different type of, like I said, mental game just on the yeah. safety side, you know, but, um, so yeah, usually around that five to six mile mark is where I kind of seem to drop off most people. I didn't really run into anyone once I got past that six to seven mile mark, um, and started kind of like getting like back into that back country. Um, I did run into a few hikers that were back there kind of making the loop. Were they um, eating granola? They were actually, do you guys use the term granola hiker? You and your buddies? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, they were, uh, let's the see. Subarus and, yeah, yeah, golden yeah. retrievers and peace sign bumper stickers. Yeah, I mean, and they like, and they were cool. Like they were cool. Like they weren't. Um, they oh, were high. They're lost in the mountains. Oh, Colorado. dude. Oh, yeah. They were freak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were. They were rolling those blunts up, son. <laughs> <laughs> Seven miles into the back country, you just oh, walk yeah. by with a bow. They're like, holy shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Just getting it. Well, the first thing out of their, first thing out of their, out of their mouth, you know, they're like, oh, they're like, dude, you know, what are you hunting? And I'm like, mule deer. And, uh, you know, right away it's, they're like, oh dude, that's rad. You know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, we haven't seen any back here, but 
the other day we saw a whole group of them, you know, and I'm like, mule deer? And they're like, oh, yeah. They're like, man, like, their horns are huge. and blah. I'm like, you know, you talking about elk? And they're like, uh, maybe it was elk. I don't know. Well, yeah, you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Yeah. <laughs> like, they start talking about herds of mule deer, and I'm like, I think you're talking about elk because right now they're not really, like, herded up. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was elk. <laughs> That's funny. Like, all right, man, have a good day. Oh yeah, true that. <laughs> How cool would it be though? Like if, uh, just, uh, and I'm, I'm sure most people that are out back there hiking are great people, but, um, what if just some random stoner just puts you on to just like a record mule deer and you killed him? Like you'd have to get a hold of that dude and, Give him some sort of like you have to be pen pals with him or something. You know, just imagine how crazy that'd be. Some, Dude, you know, you know what's so funny? I bet is, you it happens more often than you think. But. Is I just got back from Utah and I hunted the Wasatch Front, which is like a, a very um, widely known Utah unit that's hunted by a shitload of people, but a lot of really good mule deer bucks come on. And and long story short, I was out there eight days, put a hundred and like twenty one miles in, got my teeth kicked in for like six out of the eight days, and uh, hunted out there solo. And I ran into this guy who was backcountry fishing in this little lake, and he's never hunted a day in his life. And we got to talking, and he literally, like the biggest buck of the entire trip. I basically ran into because this guy was like high and fishing. And he told me that he ran into this beef cow with horns. And I'm like, so it was an elk. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure it was a mule deer. And I'm like, well, I mean, they're, they're pretty, like, they're pretty different looking creature. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> I, I mean, so I like pull up what an elk looks like. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's that. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, well, it was really dark and gray and its horns were really wide, but they weren't that tall. I'm like, I think you saw a mule deer. And he's like, maybe that's it. But he's like, it was right over there on that mountain. He's like, actually, he's like, I've seen that thing like every day I've been in here. I literally went over there the next day and I'm thinking this dude's high as shit. He doesn't even know what kind of animal we're looking at. <laughs> the exact, the exact drainage that he told me this buck was living in that he kept calling a beef cow with horns. I mean, he literally was like, there's a there's a big rock in the center of this drainage, and you'll see this little patch of pines. He lives in there. Dude, no <laughs> shit. Like, no shit. The giant rock, little patch of pines. Right at first light, I'm glassing through my spotter, and out steps out this fucking beef cow with horns. And I'm like, holy shit. Old boy wasn't lying. Like, here he is. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Guys out there jamming the Grateful Dead fishing and just happens to see this mule deer every day. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, like I was getting my teeth kicked in and literally like, that was like, that was like the only little hope that I had. And then I, and then I hunted that buck the rest of the trip. Didn't end up, I actually, I got within a hundred yards of him one night, didn't end up cutting arrow loose or anything, but yeah, dude, if it wouldn't have been for that guy, chances are I probably never would have found that spot. Never would have found that buck. And, um, Probably, I mean, could still be wandering around the, the the mountains over there looking for a buck. To be honest with you, because I was bound and determined to at least find one to hunt before I left. Right, right. That's that's hilarious. So, yep. Going back to this past year's mule deer hunt. So, yep. You're back in. Like, how do you go about finding the mule deer first? Like, like, are you just stopping and glassing for a while, or are you just like working your way to a certain spot and then glassing, or you know what I mean? Like, is it just like a a hard hike right to your spot on, on Onyx that you want to get to or whatever mapping system you use. 
and then glassing, or are you kind of like take? You know what I'm saying? Are you hunting along yeah. the way for the most part? So basically, like I've got predetermined spots on where I want to camp. Um, where you know water's super important. So a lot of my spots that I have marked, like for each game plan I've got, I've got I've got a spot marked where I want to camp, which is usually in in coordination with water. And then from there, every plan I've got, and I'll use the term that my good buddy Brian Barney over at Easton's Elevated uses, um, like every spot that I'm in, there's going to be at least one, if not two, master vantage points. And those vantage points are going to be where I do the majority of my glassing from. And they're going to unlock multiple basins, multiple drainages. They're going to give me really good looks at a lot of country from way up. So when I got to this spot, I wanted to get up to one of the master vantage points that evening before dark. So I hurried up, got camp set up and got up there and found a couple good bucks right off the rip that night. And I didn't have enough time obviously to, to try to make a stock or anything. I mean, I had my bow with me and all that, but I mean, it was mainly just, I wanted to see if I could locate some, some bucks. Um, but those spots, those master vantage points, I mean, I try to locate those off of mapping software way in advance because, you know, I mean, and you know this cause you've been out, you know, to, you just got back from Oregon. So like you understand, um, how important in glass is out West. I mean, oh, you, yeah. ha- you, you have to be able to see if you want to kill anything out there. So yeah. getting getting way up high on those master vantage points to where you can look at two or three different drainages and two or three different basins and you can you can glass and, and let the glass do the walking for you and figure out okay, you know, there's mule deer feeding here, so there's mule deer living in here. And then from there you can kind of tweak it, you tweak your game plan and make your plan of okay. I'm going to watch these bucks tonight. I'm going to come back here in the morning. Hopefully there I can find them again. I'm going to see where they go bed. I'm going to hang out with them till midday. And then I'm going to go put my stocks on when I got those thermals rising and when the wind's in my favor in the, in the afternoon. And that's kind of what my game plan was here. Um, located some bucks that night. Um, got back to, got back to camp, got something to eat went to bed and first thing next morning i'm right back up on that vantage point um that master vantage point was probably a little under a mile away from where i was camped i personally don't like to camp right on top of where i'm going to be hunting yeah i just you know i just i don't like it feels like you can like go back to home and then go back out hunting yeah yeah with that and i mean like i just don't you know when you're back in the backcountry like that, I mean, animals know kind of what's going on and, and what's supposed to be there and what's not. And I mean, I just, I don't like having my, my, my tent and myself like right in the mainstream, um, mode of travel for, for these animals. So I try to get in, you know, little, little hidden spots and lightning's such a big deal out there. Um, so I try to get tucked in, you know, on the backside of saddles or backside of ridgelines. Like, it'd be awesome, dude, to camp right up on the ridgeline to where you could literally walk out of your tent in the morning, take a piss, and freaking walk 100 yards to a vantage point and just start. But, dude, like, lightning is so bad up there in the high country. Like, you're nuts. I mean, you're just crazy to, to freaking camp anywhere close to those ridgelines. So it's like, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I usually try to stay way off that. Um, 
lightning's scary, man. Like I, people ask me all the time, like, don't you worry about bears? Don't you worry about wolves? Don't you worry about mountain lion? And I'm like, you don't want to know what I worry about getting fucking shish kebobbed at 13,000 feet. No from shit. Li- like, like, you know, like what I worry about is becoming a, a freaking lightning rod. I mean, that's what I like. Cause there again, I mean, like, you've got a chance to get attacked by a bear and not get killed. You've got a chance to run into wolves and not get eaten. You've got a chance to fight off a mountain lion. You get hit by lightning at 13,542 feet, guess what? It's over. (laughs) You're done. That's it. You're done. You are now fucking barbecued. If you're not dead, you're an invalid. You are paralyzed. There's nothing left. You're just going to lay there until something eats you. I mean, I... I'm good on that, man. Like that is not <laughs> <laughs> like I, so I do Clint's not only chances. scared of lightning. That's, oh, that's dude, fair. I, that's hands fair. down, man. Like you ask me what I'm worried about out there. It is not an animal. It is it is Mother Nature and the yeah. hand of God of lightning. I got a question <laughs> for it. How many times do you? How many times do you think uh, mule deer get hit by lightning? Man, I mean, there has to be game that gets hit because I mean. They run those ridge lines so much, and I mean, they they love to travel up on those, you know, up and over the saddles. And I mean, that could I mean, be the dumbest question ever asked on a podcast. How many mule deer do you think get hit I, by lightning? I mean, but but honestly, though, like if you think about it, like <laughs> in the high country, you're above tree line. I'm, so, I like, bet you it's more than you think. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, so many of those animals live above tree line. So, like, I always camp down below that so like i'm down in the tree line always i always like i would rather have to climb 1200 vertical feet every morning the minute my ass wakes up to get up over a saddle to get into where i want to get into i would rather do that every day than have to sleep at night when big storms roll in because in colorado especially you're going to ride out a storm you're every single day you are going to ride lightning and a storm every day a lot of times every night it's just it's going to happen cuz you're so high up. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly like I would bet you there's a lot more mule deer especially cuz they love that high country more so than anything that get hit by lightning than what people really think, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So all right, so let's get to this. So give us the breakdown of like when you spot your mule deer because, you know, I'm envisioning how far back you are, kind of like the grit you had to go through to get there. Um yep. kind of breakdown like start us where you found them and then like what happens. Yep. So the first morning, um, got into that night, glass that night, found some good bucks. Um, was pretty pumped for the next morning. Get into the next morning. I locate, um, right off the rip, a big three by three and a big four by five from the night before. They're probably a mile away. I'm watching them at first light. Um, they're in this giant willow patch. They're, you know, uh, they're in this big, in, in this big basin. Um, I'm watching them and they, they dive into this huge patch of willows, which the, the freaking mule deer in Colorado love those willows. They live in them, they eat in them. Um, they bed down about 10 o'clock and they're in a spot that it's just going to be super hard for, for me to get to. Um, to get into as far as like a stock goes. And I mean, out there, um, it's easy to watch a mule deer bed down and be like, okay, I'm going to, and, and I, I used to be guilty of this. Okay. You know, um, if I loop all the way around three and a half, four miles, I can drop in on top of them and drop down on them and I'm going to make a stock. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I've learned over the years, like it, 
if it's not high percentage and it's not like a play that you're like, oh yeah, I really think my odds are good there. Yeah. You're almost better off to either a wait those bucks out till they move again or b go find another buck because the energy that you expend when you're up at 13 14,000 feet and you're 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 climbing and dropping 1000 2000 feet all the time like that 2 or 3 miles to loop around there dude that 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 might take you half a day so like if you're burning and wasting all that energy and time on a half a day on a stock that's like a half ass wholeheartedly thing, you're better off to conserve your energy and either study those bucks all day and watch what they do and try to figure out a way to kill them the next day or go try to find another buck. So for yeah. me at that at that point, I'm like, OK, it's, it's, it's day one. It's morning one. You know, I'm going to go ahead and roll the dice. And I know these bucks are in here but I'm going to go check a few other drainages and a few other basins. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go travel some country, run the ridge line, and see what I can see. So I ended up about one o'clock getting into this, um, this really, really gnarly basin that was pretty much cliffed out all the way around it. And there was like one way in, one way out. And I got set up and started glassing. And I found the buck I ended up killing. He was with four other bucks. I found him right away. And they're tucked up against these rocks. And just in some just just typical Colorado mule deer stuff, just super gnarly, super rugged, just, you know, steep, rocky shit that only mule deer are going to live in um, that time of the year. You know, they're they're all sprawled out. They're freaking bedded up. You know, they're enjoying the sun. It's one o'clock. I'm looking at them and I'm just like, man, you know, like those bucks potentially are in a spot i mean it'd be rough to get in but honestly they're in a spot that i probably could get to and so i opted instead of going right in guns a blaze and i thought okay chances are those bucks are not haven't been hunted all year just because of the, the shit they were in i'm like no one's back here i'm gonna roll the dice and just watch them today and see kind of just see what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I stuck with those bucks all day. They ended up getting up right before dark. They moved down into the basin, you know, fed on neon green grass. that's growing in the basin. There was a ton of snow still up there. So, I mean, you know, the snow runoff just had that basin super neon green because it was getting water constantly from that snow runoff. So I figured those bucks probably were living there all the time. So I thought, all right, tomorrow i'm gonna start off here day two i go up in there not a deer to be found i have i don't i i don't know what happened i don't know where they went um i searched all day turned up some bucks turned up some deer covered like 12 miles made a giant loop um from camp clear out around this mountain range probably hit like five or six different basins i don't know how many drainages just just could not couldn't turn these bucks up. Um, didn't even really run into anything that was significantly what I would have called like a solid shooter buck that day. Mm -hmm. So on day three, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back and start where I started off morning one. And I'm just going to go back to square one and see if I can find that big three by three and the four by five and, um, located them again, same spot right back in the freaking willows. And I'm just like, shit, you know, I'm like, man, like, you know, I, I'm thinking, okay, like I'm going to have to make a go this time and, and just go over there and see what I can do. So I get over there, takes me about three hours, make the big loop 
I'm above them. And from where I was glassing, I didn't realize how tall the willows really were over there, but they're like four and a half, five foot. So, I mean, when I got over there, I knew right away I was in trouble because I'm like, you know, unless these bucks stand up and I can see their racks, realistically, I'm like, I'm basically hunting ghosts that are bedded in this shit somewhere <laughs> that I'm, that, that I'm, that I'm never going to see. So I get over there and I'm like, you know, this was basically a waste of my time. Now, it was a waste of my time, but it was also good because I was contemplating on going over there. Now that I've been over there and I can see that this is basically unhuntable, I can kind of X this spot off as far as like I can quit wasting time here. So like out there hunting mule deer, I mean, you honestly have to not only like figure out what spots are good, but you got to figure out what spots are like unhuntable or spots that you're just not going to be able to kill a mule deer in. And then that way you're not wasting time. So it was kind of good and kind of bad all in the same deal. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting out of there and going back to where I found those bucks in the cliffs, the net, you know, that, that it would have been like later on, on day one. So I got back over there and I'm not turning anything up and I'm just saying, and I'm like, man, you know, like it's, it, it, it got, it got really hot that day. Um, it was like in the seventies, which in the high country during that time of year, that's, that's, it was, that was pretty warm um, middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's like one o'clock and I'm just like, you know, man, like the shadows are really hanging off these rock ledges. I'm just, I just kept thinking like, there's gotta be some bucks tucked in here somewhere. It has to be. So I kept running this, this big ridge line and, and I was almost to the end of it. And I don't even know why I did what I did, but I happened to see this big ledge, big rock ledge out ahead of me. And it actually was like a, so like there's a big there so imagine like a huge spine on top of this mountain that's running north and south and there was like this little micro spine that jotted off and ran like directly east i went to the end of that i'm at about 13 5 13 6 i went to the end of that i get to the end of it and i look straight down below me and i mean directly below me here's this group of five bucks from the first day and the the big wide bastard that I end up killing, he's he's in that group, and I'm and I knew as soon as I put my binos on him, I'm like, that's him. Like I, I just I knew it immediately before he ever even turned. I just saw how wide he was. I'm like, that's him. So immediately now I'm scanning, looking to see like, okay, like now now I got to figure out like how like can I get down to him? Because it is super gnarly. I mean, right off the rip in my head, I'm thinking, okay. The bucks are here. They're in a good spot. It's in the afternoon. I talk about thermals all the time. And up there in the mountains, in the morning, when the air is still cool, your thermals usually are dropping down. But as the day heats up, the temperature rises, it usually brings your thermals up and over top of the mountain. So mm-hmm. I'm above them, which is perfect. I have the wind and the thermals in my face blowing from them to me. So that, that, that's perfect. My problem is, is I've got to be realistic with myself and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, can you navigate down this without falling to your death a thousand, fifteen hundred feet? Like that was the, you know, that was like the real, like that was like the realistic part was, you know, okay, you're up here where only mule deer and mountain goats live. Are you going to be able to, are you going to be able to navigate this shit to get down to them? Well, yeah. They're, finding them know, is part of the challenge. Getting, getting yourself yes. into a situation to get a shot. It's the bigger challenge now. Yes. So for me, 
this is like, this is where it starts to get fun for me because I like my, my whole year leading up to this hunt, like I've envisioned and I've replayed this scenario in my head, not knowing I'm going to be in that scenario, like 82 million times. I mean, I've got, uh, I've got a buck in a spot that's killable. I've got conditions. Now I just have to put together a plan to get to him uh, a not kill myself b not let him know i'm dropping in from above and then c figure out a way to get an arrow in him so it's like i'm at i'm at phase a of this whole deal right now and that's trying to figure out how to get to him without killing myself in the process so right to the left of to like so about 80 yards to the left of him is kind of what i'm judging there's this this rock crevice that runs straight down and at the end it opens up. Um, so basically like imagine like a, um, like a V shaped, we'll call it a, a V shaped little valley that starts at the top of this spine and runs down towards these bucks. And then at the very end, it just runs out to where it's, it's wide open. So once you get to the end, you've got to either pop around the outside or pop over the top and shoot down on these bucks. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, if I can spider man my way down to that end, it's going to put me for sure within a hundred, but I'm guessing within 80 of these bedded bucks. And I'm like, if I can get to that point, I mean, I don't know for sure if, I, if they're going to be in range, but it's going to be damn close. But that's that's the furthest I can get until I run out of real estate. Once I get there, it's wide open. So so now, like in my head, I'm, I'm trying to justify like, OK, it's going to be straight down like 13, 1400 feet vertical. Like, is it worth is it worth making this play right now, knowing how steep and rugged this is going to be like? you know, now I'm running through my head. Like, is, is this a play that's going to for sure put you within, you know, that say 80 yard and in mark. Cause I mean, realistically, like that's, you know, the, the whole time on this trip mentally, I'm thinking if I can get within 80 yards or closer, like a buck's going to die. That's just, that was yeah, just you're kinda, preparing that, for a long shot yeah, because it's yeah. a different country than a oh, tree yeah. stand 20 yard shot. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So in my head, I'm thinking if I can get to that spot, I should be good. And, um, so I dropped my pack. Um, you know, I grab, um, you know, just stuff that I need out of my pack, drop my pack. So I'm, I'm, I'm going as light as I can. I throw my bow up over my shoulder um, and basically I get to, I get to this rock crevice and it's probably about five or six feet wide, maybe three or four feet deep. So basically what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to like, imagine like you were going to like, you know, uh, like kids jungle gyms, they have those like tunnel slides that you yep. like slide down. Okay. So imagine you're like in that only it's, it's only like a three fourths of a circle. It's not like the entire circle. You're going to put your hands up and you're put your feet up and you're going to basically like Spider-Man down through this. And the reason why I'm going to, and the reason why I'm going to do that is because if I walk, I'm afraid I will kick rocks. So like, oh, if I right. kick, so if I kick a rock and it rolls down 30, 40 yards and picks up six more rocks, now it's like a little mini rock slide that's going on. These deer for sure are going to know something's dropping in from up top. So in my head, I'm like, okay, you're going to have to like 
basically Spider-Man your way down this and not kick any rocks. So that was like, you know, the, the first phase of this whole thing was just seeing if I was going to be able to like physically do that, which honestly didn't work out all that bad. I mean, I, I was able to take a lot of breaks. The bucks were bedded. Um, it wasn't like, you know, I had time on my side and honestly, like it was really cool because throughout this whole stock, I actually was smart enough to take my time and actually take it all in. Like, I feel like, you know, we see a buck coming in, in a tree stand and we immediately just want him to hurry up and get to us. And we want to get a shot fired off. Yeah. Um, you're on an elk hunt, you hear an elk bugle, you just want to hurry up and get over there and get like, I feel like we don't actually live in the moment and take in truly what's important which is like everything that leads up to the shot so like i like i can remember taking little breaks and just like envisioning in my head like i'm just like dude like this is it man like you freaking have have worked all year this is four years in the making like enjoy this shit right now like you're in it you are yeah. you are in like you are in a money stock in a great scenario you have a giant buck at the end of this freaking rock shoot like this is it, dude. Like you have been waiting for this, like soak this shit in the entire time. And so it was like, I'm happy that I mentally made myself like think like that during this stock, because yeah. instead of, instead of me being so focused on trying to get something killed, like I honestly probably took a few more breaks than I even should have, but it was cool. Cause I like, I was able to like be in that moment, I guess, longer than I usually normally would be in it. And looking back, it's cool to be like, you know, damn, dude, like you were in that moment that you had literally replayed in your head 82 million times throughout the, the, the year waiting and training and shooting and like, you know, praying you were going to be in that moment. And then once I was in it, it's like I took full advantage of being like engulfed in that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good though. That's crazy. That's rare. I feel. Yeah, no, and I mean, and I mean, like honestly, like I, I try to do that more and more the older I get. Because I mean, like you just, you don't know when your last hunt's your last hunt, or when your last yeah. stocks your. I mean, like you, you just don't. So it's like I try to suck in as much of that as I can because it just. For it, sure. It, well, you know what you I, know? I try to do. I'm the same way. Like if I, if I can grab my consciousness and like an intense situation like that, like I do the same thing. But I definitely do that after a successful hunt. Like just yep. like honestly, yep. like while you're telling the story, I was like looking at my buck. I shot my big ten. I shot last year. He's in the new studio. Yep. And just like that alone, like in the moment, like watching him come in, making a good shot, but then appreciating the trophy like consciously. Yeah. After you kill it and you just kind of like all the buildup that got you to the point of what you think about all year. It's if you, I think those moments need to be um, just absorbed and like slow down. Like you're in a hurry. Yeah. You got to get them taken yep. care of. You got to get them out of the woods. You got to do that. But that, yep. that drag out, like maybe think like, man, I'm holding antler right now. I'm dragging out a buck that I wanted and thought about all year long. Like maybe don't be in such a hurry on some of that shit, you know? Take your yep. time and, and really absorb your moment because kind of like what you compared earlier is, you know, you trained for your, your championship fight is you just won, yeah. you just won the belt when that happens. So absorb that moment and take it in and respect it. And, you know, it's something to think back on, which is, I mean, one of my favorite things about, about hunting. 
Oh, for sure. And like for me, I mean, it honestly, like it calms me down when I can be in the moment and like appreciate and respect the moment and not just rush everything. So like it was it was really cool to like sit there and take a little break and check the wind and make sure everything's good. And I'm 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 peeking up over and I'm 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 looking at these bucks straight down below me and they're still there and you know their their freaking heads are laid back. They're all sprawled out. I mean they're in the shade. They're just freaking hanging out. Like they have no clue. They have absolutely no clue that you know, freaking black magic is this freaking <laughs> ducking in from above them. Like it was just, it was just like, it was such a cool experience like to be in that moment. And I mean, a ton of people are like, you know, dude, it would have been so cool to have like a camera guy or be with someone. And yeah, it would, but honestly, man, like I wouldn't trade the solo part for anything. Cause like, it's just something, there's just something about being by yourself and having to make all the moves yourself and your own decisions and your own game plans. And I don't know, man, it was, it's just, it's, I'm just hooked on that part of it. Like I love to hunt with family and friends and shit. Don't get me wrong, but like, and I can't wait for my boys to be able to hunt with me and stuff. But like, there's just something about being there engulfed in the moment. And it's just you. Like I'm at 13,500 feet. I'm in freaking Colorado. I'm in the most beautiful country there is on planet earth, in my opinion. And it's just me, man. Like it is me and yeah. five, it's me and five mule deer. So I get like halfway down this, like we'll, we'll, we'll get back on the stock and, and not get into this trippy dippy. Sorry. That we do that. About. We're good at that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We are. We are like, like Brian Varney would appreciate that. Cause he gets on these, like these rants about getting engulfed in the moment. He, I got to get him he, on the podcast, man. That's oh, a dude 100%, that is sad, dude. hundred percent. I've talked man. him on the phone. Great dude. But we just, oh, yeah. we, we got to get him on the podcast. It's one of those things we talked about for two, yep. two years now. Yep. hundred percent dude, for sure. Straight up freaking killer. Shout out to my dude, Brian. But, uh, so I'm like halfway down this stock and I peek over and, and I'm at like 140 yards. So now, I'm thinking, okay, I'm hitting my rangefinder at the end and I'm coming up with like 50 yards. So I'm taking 50 off that 130. I'm like, shit, like I'm going to be right at that 80 mark or damn close. So now, now stuff's really starting to get real. Cause in my head, I'm thinking, okay, dude, if you get to this predetermined point at the end of this rock crevice, like, if you can get there and you don't fall or you don't kick any rocks and you can safely get to that point, like this is it, like you're going to be there. So the last part of this, um, crawl down this crevice, um, I'm hidden the whole time, but there's one spot where it gets pretty thin and I've got to basically like, I got two options. I can either try to walk it for like 50 yards you know, thir- eh, we'll say 30, 40 yards, or I can like scoot, basically put my bow on my stomach and scoot down on like my back and my, my ass, um, to stay hidden. And so that was like a huge debate. Like I, I took a little break and I'm like, man, you know, okay, what, what, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And, and, and I, I went back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, all right, you need to keep doing the Spider-Man deal. And, and because I was, I wanted to get on like my butt and my back. Cause I knew I'd stay more concealed, but I was so worried about dropping and like dropping down too low and dragging basically my ass on a rock. And it takes a tumble and rolls down. Cause now I'm within a hundred yards. So like 
every little move that's made, any noise, anything. I mean, at this point in time, it would be straight disaster for me. So I finally get down to the, to the end and, and that, that little section took me probably 20 minutes cause I had to inch my way down. So mm-hmm. I get down to the end and there, I mean, they are directly below me. Like I peek up over and I mean, they are, they are directly below me. So I'm like, okay, if I get up on the side and get on my knees, um, they're going to be directly below me. Well, I didn't anticipate whenever I made this stock, um, the actual angle of me shooting straight down. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess I just wasn't accounting for like, um, what the angle compensation was going to be, how straight down it was. So I get there and I'm like, Oh my God, like they are straight down. Mm -hmm. Um, now I'm starting to think like when I draw my bow and I come down to get my pin on this buck, like, am I even going to be able to like be on my knees and not have my bottom cam hit? Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so that, so, you know I mean? So like, that's like the next thing that I'm looking at. Um, and when I got into this moment, you know, I'm at the final phase of the stock. Um, I wrote on my bow, like right on the riser, like right, right basically above the rest and like right around where you would like, um, mount your, your bracket in for where your site would be. I wrote straight down the riser. I wrote the word execute. And, you know, I talk about anyone that follows me or reads my stuff and Peterson's or any of the blogs or hears me on the podcast. I mean, I talk about executing shots and animals die when you execute shots, but a lot of times there again, like we've already talked about, we rush stocks, we rush shots and bad things happen when you do that. Mm. Um, and I remember sitting there once again, I'm in the moment and I look down at my bow and I see where I wrote, you know, in big, bold black letters on my riser in Sharpie, you know, execute. And I'm just like, all right, you know, you need to just get back to full draw and this buck's going to die. Like, forget the angle, forget you know, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm overthinking shit. I'm like, you need to get up, get back to full draw after you get a range on this buck, set your slider and freaking let your bow do its job. Like at this point, I'm sort of freaking out a little bit. Cause like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm right there. Like I, I'm in it. I'm, I'm in the moment now. Like it's, it's now like this, like this shit's, it's getting real, real quick. It's going to happen. You know, like at this yeah. point I'm down there, it's, it's going to happen, you know? And, uh, so I range him and, you know, it's, it's clicking like, you know, 88, 89, 90, but with the angle, it's telling me shooting for 71 because it's so steep down. Yeah. So it's, you know, so, so it's, it's cutting a ton of yardage off, um, which I kind of figured was going to be anyway, because like I said, I mean, I'm shooting straight down and he's in his bed <laughs> and the way, the way he's bedded, he's wide open to me. So like he's bedded facing away, but his entire backside, he's like tucked up on his hooves. So like oh, his, his yeah, body's so exposed. Exactly, dude. His entire backside of his body is completely exposed. So, I mean, I'm not a giant bedded shot fan, but in this scenario, his vitals and everything are sitting there wide open. Like nothing, like he's not rolled over on his side. He's right up on both sets of hooves. So everything's tucked up underneath him and he's literally like sitting up 
up under his feet. So, I mean, it's a perfect shot as far as like wide open to his vitals. So click the yardage, get my pin set. And I can remember going like going back to full draw and I check my cam, my bottom cam. I've got like an inch, inch and a half of clearance off of my knee. So I'm like, all right, you know, like that'll be okay. Like I'll be able to make that work. Like it's not as tight as I thought it was going to be. And I remember lit, like thinking in my head, like it was like the weirdest flashback I've ever had because like, I don't know why, but it like flashed me back, like just like real quick to like different phases of different hunts the past three years and just being at full draw on bucks and not getting to release an arrow. And it's like, when I got settled in, dude, I had like this little quick flashback moment. And I, 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 I looked at that execute on my, on my riser one last time. And I just remember settling that pin and thinking, this is it. Like right now, if you push and pull this bow apart and let this shot break on its own, this buck will die. Like this deer's dead. This is it. Like this is like, mm. it's going to fucking happen right now. And I remember pushing and pulling and dude, the shot broke. And it's like, it's, it'll probably be the coolest shot. Honestly, maybe that I ever make on an animal because that arrow went in and buried behind the shoulder it hit the rock that he was laying against. So it went through, hit the rock, bounced right back out. He stands up, just, I mean, leaking, dude. He's got... Like, oh, he bounces a, back out of the cavity of the deer? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, arrow goes through, goes to a point where it hits the rock and comes right back out. Almost looks like I shot him from the other side and the arrow come through. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So he stands up. I can see my holes. He's just leaking. He takes two steps. The other four bucks stand up. They're looking at him. He takes two steps, dude, and literally just flops and barrel rolls like 300 yards down to the bottom of the oh, basin. Shit. I mean, just, just fucking boom, 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 boom. Like, dude, I, I've never had, and I mean, I've been blessed to, to have killed a ton of shit in my day. And, and have, you know, like hunted some of these white tails for years before killing them and so much history with them and blah, blah, blah. Like I've never had an animal or a shot like, like that to where I couldn't even control any bodily function at all. Like I just <laughs> had, like, it's like the weirdest, like, I guess you could call it like bow orgasm that I've ever had in my Oh, yeah, life. dude. Like, all the adrenaline I mean, and oh, hard work. Dude, just like, I mean, when I saw him flop over and start that barrel roll, I mean, he was dead on his feet when he stood up. And it was like, it's just a moment in time that I mean, like, that'll, I'll never probably be able to, like, top that until I watch, like, my boys kill start killing stuff right, i mean that's right. that was like i almost feel like in my career that shot will probably maybe be like just because i know how much went into that hunt and and how much how long it took like how long i waited for that to happen that'll probably be a shot that i don't know if i'll ever could say that i like topped as far as just like what it meant to me when I saw that arrow hit its mark. I mean, it was right. just one of those. And I mean, honestly, like that hunt, like, yeah, there again, like, I mean, it's about the buck and it's about, you want to punch your tag, but like, 
it was just so much that it went into, you know, it was like, a build up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've, I've been talking about this mule deer obsession for years. You know, people have been rooting in my corner or hating against my corner or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like for years, people yeah. heard me talk about this and they've, and it's like it, you know, it just come down to that moment and being able to be in that moment and execute a good shot and, and make it happen on a, on, you know, just on a giant for my first, first mule deer buck. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's one that'll probably be hard to ever really honestly top. Um, and just the way it happened, like I was there and I remember just sitting down and laying my bow down and just taking it all in. Like I remember just like scanning around me being in the mountains up there that, you know, up in the high country and that rocky, nasty shit that I was in. But like everywhere you look, is just like a picture. I mean, you could just take a picture of anywhere up there and you could throw it on a postcard. I mean, just beautiful, completely beautiful. And I remember just sitting there, you know, being in like freaking tears. Cause I was just so happy and it would have been super awesome to have like my dad or like have a buddy or have someone there. But at the same time, dude, like, I wouldn't trade that it was just me. Like that's yeah, a moment. That's a deeper experience in a way. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was. I mean, like, like that's a moment that honestly, I had replayed in my head. Like I said, eighty-two million times, and like it was so surreal, man, that I was literally in that moment right then and there. Like, I mean, it. It's almost like it felt like it was never going to happen, and then it finally did. And it's like. It's just one of those moments in time that'll be like etched in your brain forever of like, it was just me and a buck and my bow in a Colorado landscape. Like, that's it. I mean, that there was, there was nobody else around, nothing else. I mean, that's what, that's it. Like the only people involved were like me. That was it. So, I mean, it was, it was just like a super cool moment to, to be there solo and just know that I got it done by myself you know what i mean yeah, like, dude, that's I, insane that's insane especially the way it went down and then like we're so i know people are asking this like when the buck are people are wondering this while they're listening when that buck rolls down the hill are you worried about because he's in velvet right oh yeah he's in full velvet so my first thought is you know right away it's like fuck yes i freaking smoked him he's dead and then i'm like no velvet shit like you know like i'm like no (laughs) holy shit i can't even imagine so i'm looking at him through my binos and i'm like he's all freaking i gotta i gotta say one thing quick i have to pee because i've been drinking beer and it's late so i want you to entertain the people with some uh advice while i go pee until i get back and then i want to continue the story from after the buck falls and we've never done something like this on the show but I gotta, I gotta take, I gotta go pee. I understand, but pee breaks happen. Give the people what they need in positive vibes until I get back. I'll go fast. True that, true that. So while while Kurt's gonna go take his pee break, um, if I'm gonna break down this hunt into why everybody should go do this hunt, whether it's mule deer, elk. Um, why people should try a solo hunt, why people should, should go out and experience this for themselves by themselves. Honestly, for me, mentally and physically, if you want to try to test yourself or see where you're at mentally and physically, this is it. You go solo, you go by yourself. I mean, like I said earlier, you're trying to live out there. 
number one, just survive. I mean, just surviving out there by yourself, you're accomplishing something that a lot of people won't. Um, huge accomplishment gives you confidence. Uh, you know, it's, it's a hunt that it's not just about punching tags whenever you do a solo hunt. I mean, it's honestly about the experience and I think you'll gain a better, um, we'll say understanding for how deeply rooted you are in bow hunting, um, by going on a solo hunt. So, you know, for me, that's why I love it. That's why I do it. Great I think advice. a lot of people, I think a lot of people will honestly find themselves thinking that same thing that I think. Um, but there are some people that hate it. I mean, I, I I've had guys message me like, dude, we went on a solo hunt. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome that you do it, but I was scared to death. I'm not going to lie. I fucking hated it. I didn't like it. Uh, I want to hunt with friends. And honestly, man, I get that. Like, that's, a, that's the majority of a it. lot of it yeah, though, too. You know? Yeah. I get, I mean, it's not for everybody. Like it is not, it is not for everybody, man. I mean, it really isn't, but I do think guys will appreciate and re and respect the fact that others do it, even if they don't like it. It's a whole nother type of experience that you can put under your hat and say, yep, I've done a solo bow hunt. Um, I, I can understand why guys do it, whether you like it or you don't. It's just, it's just something that you've almost got experience for yourself. Um, That's cool. really, you, got me, you got me thinking about one, but if my dad's hunting, I got to take my dad with, you know? Yeah. It's like our oh thing, yeah. But. No, dude. Yeah, man. All right. Sure. I'm, ba I'm back from the pee break. We've never done something. Well, maybe we have done something like that, but not like on a one-on-one -on -one podcast. Um, yep. So your buck rolls down a hill. He's in full velvet. You're kind of like, fuck velvet. Yep. So I'm looking at him through my binos and he's all wrapped up. His back legs are tucked up in his rack. I mean, he's, he's a freaking mess down there. So I'm, I'm like nervous about the rack and velvet. Like, so this is kind of where, um, this part from here on out in this story is kind of where I'm going to say people need to learn from my mistakes because I'll be honest. I mean, I fucked up from this point on. And it could have cost me like potentially my freaking life later on, um, when, whenever we get into the pack out. But so I'm pumped up. Um, I'm cliffed out. I cannot get down to my buck without going back up the chute that I just came up. So my plan was go back up, get my pack, go out around the basin, drop down in, and then I can walk across the basin to get to my buck. Um, at this point in time, it's about two o'clock. I'm jacked. I'm pumped. I got a little bit of service. Call my dad. Um, I texted a few people, you know, uh, buck down, uh, you know, off of my, my, my Garmin inReach. Um, I was able to get a hold of my dad real quick. Um, he's always the first call I make. So, you know, like it was super cool to be able to like get a little bit of service up on the top of that spine. And as soon as he saw me call, it's almost like he knew middle of the day I shouldn't be calling. So he was chopping corn and he answers and I, I could hear him shut the, um, I could hear him shut the chopper off and he's like, buck down, buck down. And I, I, and I just remember like, you know, being like, fuck yeah. You know, I watched him die. You know, it was just, it was just like a super cool moment. Cause it's almost like he knew if I'm calling at that time of the day, like something must've happened. Right, right. You know? So, so where I screwed up was when I got back to my pack, I'm in, I'm in broad daylight. I should have marked where that pack was and I should have marked on my Onyx 
that's the route that I was going to take to go down this rock cliff to get down into this basin. Um, here real soon, you'll understand why. So anyways, I, I dive down off through the rocks. I make it down there. Um, I get into the basin. I get to my buck. I'm fucking jacked. I'm pumped. I mean, the velvet's ripped a little bit, but nothing's broke. I get him all propped up. I'm taking pictures. I mean, I'm just trying to enjoy, like, as much of this as I can. Like, like I want to get him get pictures taken. I want to get him freaking quartered up, cut up. And now's when the work begins. I mean, so you've got this buck killed. You're in the middle of the backcountry. I'm like eight miles from my camp. I got to get him quartered out. I got to get him, you got to get the meat in, in game bags. I got to get him caped out. I got to get everything packed up into my pack. So now I'm going to have like a 120 pound pack and I got to get it. I got to get all this shit back to camp. So I start getting, I, I get pictures taken first and I get him caped out. I get him cut up. I get, you know, I, I, I get all this stuff done. Um, it's about five o'clock, maybe five thirty. in my head. I'm thinking, okay, I can wrap out around this basin and I can get to the other side and I can slowly start to climb my way up and basically side hill up to the top of this spine on onyx. It looked good in my head. It looked good. Um, I knew the other three of the four sides of this basin were cliffed out, totally cliffed out. And when I say cliffed yeah. out, I, I mean, for people that have never been out West, if, if you're cliffed out, basically you get to a point where the drop off is so steep and rocky that there's no humanly way possible you can get up or get down. So when I say cliffed out on three of the four sides of this basin, three of the four sides, there's no way you're entering or leaving that basin where that buck died. Yeah, it's a cliff, <laughs> literally yep, a cliff. To yep, totally cliffed out. So I get to the end. It's about 630 now, and I realize that I'm like, oh, shit, like this is steeper than what I thought. And I'm looking at it. And I'm really like scanning it with my binoculars. And I'm just like, there's all this loose scree, all this loose shale. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, Clint, I don't know, dude, like without ropes and shit, like, I don't think you can cross that. So now panic set in a little bit because it's like 637. I mean, I got an hour and a half till dark. My plan was to be up on that spine and like, basically get the steepest part of this whole journey up out of there in daylight. Now I'm going to have to basically backtrack and the way I come down that I should have marked is how I need to go back up. Well, I didn't mark that. So now I'm at a point of, I'm like, all right, I got to get back to that spot before dark, try to find how I come down and then navigate my way back up in the dark. So now I'm Jeez. sort of, yeah, so I'm, I'm getting a little nervous. To make matters worse, I'm looking on my inReach, and there's a big-ass storm going to blow in later on that night. So now I'm kind of in a way like a panicking a little because I'm still seven and a half, eight miles from camp. So, I mean, I've still got a solid four or five-hour hike to get back to, you know, back to my tent, which is like my safe zone of, like that's the only safety I've got, you know, before right. the lightning, before lightning and hail and all this shit hits. Yeah. So I'm trying to find the spot. It's starting to get dark. I'm trying to find this spot that I went up. I think I found it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure it's how I come down through these, through, through the rocks and stuff. I start up and 
I just get to a point where I'm like, this pack is too heavy. Like I'm not physically going to be able to get up out of here as steep as this is. So I, in my head, I'm like, all right, what are you going to do here? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to drop my buck and drop my bow. I'm going to tuck him in the shadows underneath some of this, like basically tuck him up underneath some of these rock ledges. That's going to drop like 40, 50 pounds off my total pack weight. And I'm not having to carry my bow so I can use both hands. And I'm like, okay, basically I'm going to take the meat out, leave the bow, leave the buck. I'm going to have to come back and get it the next day. Like it's just, it's just too much weight. It's too steep. I mean, at this point in time, I left at four in the morning at six at night. I'm going on 14 hours. I'm just fucking whooped at this point. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to drop this shit. I got to get up out of here. Like it's getting dark. I, you know, like I, I need to get going. I, I know this storm's blowing in. I can feel the wind coming out of the North. Like, you know, everything's telling me like this storm's going to blow in quicker, you know, sooner than later. Like you got to mm-hmm. get going. So I turn my headlamp on, I start up through and I'm just like, man, I just don't remember some of this shit. Like, like, it, like I'm, I'm trying to talk myself into like, Oh no, this is the right route. This is it. Like, and when you're in these rocks, um, basically like you're going, it was probably like 14, 1500 vertical feet up, but it's all rock. So you're navigating game trails, you're navigating, you know, you're basically navigating off of what animals use to get up and through this to get to the top. Once I get to the top of that spine, I can run that ridge damn near clear all the way back to where my camp is right off the other side. But it's just mm-hmm. getting to that point. So it's about nine o'clock and I'm only halfway up. It's taken me a long time. I mean, all I've got is my, you know, my little headlamp. I'm using both hands, both feet. Um, I get to a point where... I'm just super exhausted. I'm like, man, like I got to take a little break. Like I've got to sit down, like fig- I, I got to find a spot that I can honestly rest my legs. Like yeah. I'm just getting, I'm almost to the point of like exhaustion to where, you know, like I've got food and I've got a little bit of water. And I thought about even just trying to crawl up in the rocks and ride the storm out, but I'm just afraid about getting wet and it being so cold at night. Oh yeah, you'd be hosed if that happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just not sure if I've got enough gear there to where if I got wet, I would be okay, you know, to make it through the night basically till morning. So now at this point, I'm just like, all right, that's out of the question. Like you've got to get up out here. So I've got, I I get to this point where I've got to cross this big rock scree. Um, so basically like when rocks fall and you get like avalanche shoots, it, it, it leaves a bunch of like small little sharp jagged rocks that are left behind. That shit's really hard to cross. Number one, it's, it's usually really steep. And number two, it's really unstable. So you've got to like inch your way across. And I mean, it's really hard to keep your footing. Um, I probably honestly shouldn't even have tried it. And looking back, I should have just taken a different route and just said, screw it. But I thought I could run this game trail across. I got partway across, lost my footing, and I slid about 40 feet. So I, I landed on my ass. And when you fall on that scree, it's almost like if you were on a snowbank that a bunch of people have already like took sleds down. And if you were to slide down on that, like there's really no way to stop yourself because it's already right. like packed in. Yeah. So I slid about 40 foot. I caught myself with my right ankle on part of a rock ledge. It stopped me. 
but I sprained the shit out of my ankle. I knew the minute I hit it from playing sports my whole life, I knew what I did. Um, Damn it, man. I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't even it, imagine. So, so is what, it getting dark at this point or like where? Oh, it's it's like 930. Oh, it's dark. Yeah, oh, it's dark. dark, dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're... I'm at the point where my headlamp is the only thing that is, that is like light. You know what I mean? So, so I gather myself up. I ripped, I ripped my thumbnail off. Um, my, my ankles tore up pretty good. The entire ass end of my Sitka apex pants, my core midweight bottom layers and my Sitka boxers Literally right now, my right ass cheek is hanging out. I mean, it just, that scree is so <laughs> sharp. It literally ripped about a six, about a six inch long by five inch wide gash completely through all three of those layers of Sitka and freaking bruised the shit out of my, I mean, like I knew whatever I did it, I'm just like, this is bad. As I'm sliding, I'm like, this is not going to end well. Like this is bad. So I'm looking for something to grab. And the only thing I could do was put my foot out to like brace myself to stop myself. And so I jam that right ankle. So playing sports my whole life, I know the best thing I can do now is hurry the hell up, get out of there because I know that ankle is going to start to swell really bad if I don't like keep pressure on it basically. So I gather myself up and I start back up. I get about another, I don't know, I'm probably a hundred yards from where I took the spill and I I made another vital mistake. I took a, I took a little bit of a break. I'm just like, dude, I need to gather my marbles. I need to fucking just like reevaluate what's going on right now. I took about a 10 minute break and I shouldn't have done this because my ankle stiffened up. It started to swell. I felt it in my boot. Um, I mean, I needed to take a break mentally, like to just like, just freaking regain myself, but like, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have actually stopped moving. You kind of like let your muscles and everything get cold and stiff. And- yep. Yep. So at this point now, now I'm kind of like in panic mode. Like I've got to make a decision. Like I'm like, okay, you got two kids at home. Like physically, can you get out of here? Like, I mean, I mean at this point in time, I'm having like a come to come to justice with Jesus moment. Like I'm like, all right, like this is real talk, Clint. Like, can you, physically get your ass out of here now or are you going to have to ride it out tonight and 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 figure something else out like like are you going to be able to do it or not because i knew the last 150 yards was the steepest and i knew i was going to have to really like basically freehand rock climb my way out of there and it was kind of one of the moments where i mean that part of the hunt like I had to really make a judgment call on like, I guess basically, um, physically and mentally, where are you at right now? Like, are you going to be able to do this? And honestly, like I took myself to a level that sports has never taken me to. I mean, I honestly went into fight or flight and I got kind of pissed and I was kind of mentally like in the state of you're not like you're not dying on this fucking mountain. You just killed your buck. You just worked four years to get to this point. You're in a really bad spot right now. You got a bummed up ankle. You got your whole ass cheek hanging out. Like this is bad, but you got to figure out a way to get the sh- get the hell out of here. Like you have to get out of here. And looking back, I mean, 
Like it's uh, it's surreal to the point of like where it was like real danger that I was in. But like there again, though, I pushed like I put myself in a scenario I've never been in. I mean, sports have never put me in a physically demanding spot like that. Um, life has never put me in a physically demanding or mentally demanding spot like that. So for the first time in my life, I was in a very uncomfortable situation and fight or flight took over and I decided to fight. And 30, 40 minutes later, I finally got my ass up out of there. But, um, Damn, I mean, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I was scared. I mean, like it, there's not many things that I can say I'm honestly like scared of, or many times where I've been scared. Like I was scared going up out of there. Um, and looking back, not marking my route, just, just, just kind of letting emotions take over and not thinking, the whole thought process out clearly as far as having a game plan of, okay, what if you can't get out of this basin? What's your backup plan to get out of here? Right. Um, honestly, dude, like as steep and, and bad as that, that, that spot is, I mean, I could have easily made a wrong move up there, dude, and fell fucking 800 foot and, and, and been a pile of mush. Well, yeah. And, especially and, in the know. dark and like oh, with, a, yeah. with a bum ankle, you could uh, yep. yeah lose your foot in and fall off and yep. shit's crazy. It, yep. Man, that, that is something that a lot of people don't think about. Like that type of fear is different, you know? It's, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's, there's nobody, I mean, there again, dude, there's no cell service. I mean, I had my in reach and I mean, I, at one point in time, I'm like, okay, is this bad enough to where you need to press this button? Like, like, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, like, like, is this justified? Am I, am I going to look like a puss if they come in? They're like, dude, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yep. no, I hear you. Like sometimes like that, the thought that you considered that proved that you were in a pretty rough situation. Cause I feel like it would oh, take yeah. a lot for most people to hit that button. Um, man, that's crazy. Yep. And, uh, so I, I got up there and, now it's like, you know, 10, 10, 30 storms. I mean, winds blowing hail. I mean, storms blowing in. I'm still like six miles from camp and I'm just like, okay, like no more breaks. Like you've got to get your ass in gear. You have to get back to camp. Like the storm's blowing in, you're running this ridge line. The whole time I'm just thinking if I see one thing of lightning, I'm going to have to drop down over the edge, get down in the timber, wrap the timber around. Like, so, you know, thank God. Um, I was able to pretty much run the entire way back to camp fairly easily. I mean, it still took me, I got back to camp. It was like two fifteen, two thirty in the morning. So, I mean, it was, you know, I started the day at 5 AM on the 6th. And got back to camp at like 2 a.m. on the 7th. So it was, damn. it was a freaking, it was an all day, you know, I mean, it was damn near a 24 hour deal, me out there. Um, That's insane. Well, hey, worth it though, because one, you got the mule deer of your dreams, you accomplished the whole backcountry solo thing. It gives you podcast content and writing content for a long time and many different perspectives. Like, you know, you could talk about this hunt like we did a lot on this show is, you know, you could just talk about the mental uh, oh, yeah. ability oh, yeah. on that alone and do yep. several articles and several podcasts on that alone, let alone like adding the hunt story in and the pack out yep. story. 
Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the thing was, is once I got back to camp, I was relieved, but my necks, like I kind of forgot my buck and my bow are still down in the bottom of that basin. So now I'm laying in my tent, it's two 30 in the morning. And I'm like, how are you going to get the meat to the truck tomorrow? How are you going to get back to your buck and your bow? Like that was my next, like, Oh shit. Like, how are you going to do this on a bum ankle? Right. Right. So like, that was like, you know, the whole next freaking like phase of, uh, this hunt. I mean, you know, it was, uh, it was adventure from, you know, start to finish. Like I, I knew in my head, I wasn't just going to go out there, kill a mule deer, come back and it just go smooth like that. Like that just wasn't how it was going to happen. <laughs> like I knew it was going right. to be turmoil at some point. <laughs> I guess if you're going to have turmoil though, it's better after you drop a giant muley in the backcountry with your bow. Like, I, like I, anything that happens after that is like, that's just part of it and you're okay. You know? Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And it, it's just, it's funny how it worked out. Cause like the next day I hobbled my ass back to my truck with the meat, got it out. I, I went back to town. I got a hotel that night, like, um, iced my ankle and I went down to the, like this local saloon and I'm just like talking to some of the locals and I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm like, I need to find someone that wants to make a couple hundred bucks. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I shot this buck. I'm like 12 miles back. I'm physically probably not going to be able to go down and literally get my tape and my bow. Like I can get someone to the point of the top of that spine, but like, I'm going to need somebody like I rolled this ankle good enough to where I'm physically not going to be able to get down there. And as luck would have it, I run into this old guy. That's like, dude, I got a buddy. That's a firefighter. His name's Kyle. And he's like a semi-professional rock climber. Like he would be all in to probably come help you. Gives me this dude's number. I call this dude. He's in his early thirties. He actually has an elk. He has an elk tag for the unit that I'm in hunting mule deer. No shit. He just got into hunting. Super cool dude. I call him. I tell him the scenario. He's like, where are you at? I tell him where I'm at. He's like, why the fuck would you kill a mule deer back there? And I'm like, what are you? I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, dude, we, he's like, where your buck is at. He's like, we climb that with ropes and shit. He's like, how did you get out of there? And I'm like, well, I climbed. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I freehand climbed it. And he's like, he's like, dude, me and my buddies, like, we don't freehand climb that. And we like rock climb for fun. Like, that's what we do. Like, like these, like, like these dudes climb, like, you know, like guys go rope off es like Everest and shit and do that kind of crazy. Like, that's what these, that's what these cats do. And you're like, like dude, this is why I'm calling you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, and he's just like, he's like, dude. He's like, I don't know how you got out of there without like ropes and stuff. So I tell him where the buck's at and like we go in, like I hobble my ass back in with him the next day. We start at six in the morning. We go in, we go down and get my buck and my bow. We get back to the truck that night at like eight o'clock. It's like a 22 mile round trip deal. And like, it's just so cool. Cause like, dude, like he's a friend forever now. Like we text, we talk, like, like, like I got to share like another part of like the, my experience, like with a guy I never met that now we're like good friends. We bullshit all the time. 
he went in there actually, and, and I told him a bunch of spots. I was seeing elk. He went in there. He's been elk hunting in there. Been super close. Just got into hunting, so like super, super fresh on everything. And uh, yeah, it's just it's been super cool, cool. But man. like, yeah, it, you know, it is. It was like, and it's like, I'll be honest. I'm bullheaded. I did not want to ask anybody for help, but my ankle was tore up to the point where I'm just like, Clint, you've got your bow and a lifetime buck in there. Like when you go in, you need to make sure you can get it out. And I was at the point I had an elk tag. So I was off three weeks of work. I was supposed to shoot this buck, get it taken care of, get it to the taxidermist in town and go right back and start elk hunting. I didn't even get to hunt one hour on my elk tag because literally I jacked this ankle up so bad that I mean, honestly, like it was hard for me to even drive home, let alone go elk hunt. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, dude, you did it, man. It's nuts. The story's insane. Um, it's, I would say it's what dreams are made of, except for the whole like getting stuck part. Like, but that just adds like that, that type of suck makes the story so much better. Cause if you would have just went in and killed it and then it was done, you'd be like, I don't have much to say, you know? Oh, for sure. And I mean, it's always an adventure. And like I said, I mean, being in that moment, like the fight or flight, like, I mean, it honestly put me mentally and physically in a place I've never been in. And I, I honestly now know I'm capable mentally and physically of more than I even thought I was. And I mean, like I said, I'm my biggest critic. I'm my, I am my biggest pusher. Like I push myself to the limits on everything I do. And honestly, I've never pushed myself even close to how I had to push myself that night to get out of there. So, I mean, it's cool just to know that physically and mentally, if I have to go to those depths, I can do it. Like, but in the moment, Oh, I was, I ain't gonna lie, dude. I mean, I'd tell it to anybody. I was scared shitless. Cause I'm just oh, like, yeah. you fall here, Clint. That's it, man. Like, it's like you fall 800 foot on rock. You're done. It's, oh, dude, you're, you are a pile of, of vanilla pudding at the bottom of the, of the mountain. <laughs> oh, man, dude. That's so nuts. I'm glad you got one, man. I'm, I'm excited to see the thing. I got to see the thing in person because it looks just absolutely nuts. He was, I mean, and, everyone's already everyone's asked me but i know there's going to be people that's going to ask you know you or me or whatever he was 30 because in in the mule deer world with is everything i mean that's just that's what they're known for he was 32 inches on the dot holy shit yeah, that is 30, nuts 32, 32 inches on, wide 32 on the dot yep holy smokes dude that's nuts that's like unfathomable for like a whitetail you know Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like we're used to twenty twenty ones pretty wide. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Twenty inside's good. Like you're. Yep. You yep. Oh, he was twenty at least. You know, you always hear that. Yep. For sure. Dude, yep. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. That that sounds like such an adventure. Definitely an adventure, and and it's um like I said, it's one of those hunts that you know you uh, you think about, and then once you're in it, it it's fun to be able to like soak it all in and, and just experience it all. And I mean, you know, I, I know you just got back from Oregon and got to shoot your first muley. And I mean, like I, I, you know, we've talked about these hunts a lot, you know, me and you are always bouncing ideas and talking to one another about stuff. And it's, it's fun to have heard you talk about your hunt. Cause I can remember my first couple mule deer hunts, like, and, and I didn't kill anything, but just the experience and just like what, 
what it brought to me experience wise, mentally and physically. And then like yeah. to hear you talk about your experience, like it's, uh, I told you, man, it, it'll, it'll ruin a guy. I mean, it, it yeah. really will. It's I mean, weird it, chasing him around and then coming back to a tree stand. Like you still oh, love dude. your tree stand, but you're kind of yeah. like, man, yeah. running around, find actively finding them like yep. why they're about and then moving in on them is addicting. Yep. I think it's in some guys' blood. Like when they experience it, they're like, "I need more." And some guys just don't care, and and that's cool too. So I, yep. I like all types of hunting when it comes to to bow hunting or big game or whatever. It's you know I don't really dabble in waterfowl or upland game or anything like that. But um, that type of hunting, the western game with a bow or even rifle, and then the midwestern bow hunting, like that's just where it's at, in my opinion. That's I don't know if it gets any better. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, and I mean, and and just, you know, I mean, just to be able to experience all the different, you know, like facets that come with each style of hunting, you know, whether right, it's blinds right. and stands or whether it's, you know, I mean, and, and it's just the mental, you know, the, the differences in the mental and physical part of, of each style too is, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's, uh, for sure. And, and like, like right now, dude, I mean, right now is like the, the rut's kicking off. I mean, like right now, if if you're if you're a Midwest guy and you're a tree stand whitetail guy, like this is it. You know, like you live for this moment. So it's it's cool to be able to like experience both and be able to do both. You know, like we're blessed to be able to hunt out west plus hunt Midwest and and get to experience all that um, in the same season. I mean, yeah, it's uh, which, is, which is crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The next, I think this weekend's going to be crazy. Next, oh, next yeah. couple weekends are going to be good. So yeah, it's going to get crazy. Uh, Clint, thank you for coming on late night and telling this crazy story. I imagine we're going to touch base here, hopefully in a few weeks, and we can talk whitetails and catch up on some. Hopefully, we we all have whitetails down by then. Uh, I know. Hopefully, I'm I'm going to start uh, all day sits Saturday. I'm going to kick off the first one of the year. Um, so yeah, man, it would be, uh, oh, it'd be awesome to freaking a couple of us knock some down this weekend, man. I think this weekend with that red moon, I think it's going to be freaking dynamite here the next couple yep. of days. I really do. Yep. I'll, uh, I feel good about it. I'm going to sit in the morning, get down late morning, do a hang and bang and probably tuck in for the rest of the day after that. So Hell yeah, man. No doubt. That's my plan. All right, dude. You got anything else you want to add on this one before we before we split off? Uh, man, just anybody that's on the fence about doing it, just jump in and do it, man. Whether it's a, a western hunt with buddies or a solo hunt, um, a mule deer hunt, an elk hunt. I mean, for guys that haven't experienced western hunting in some way, shape, or form, you can ask me, ask Kurt. Uh, it's, I mean, it is, it's life changing. It really is. I mean, it yep. is a, uh, I don't know anyone that's ever went out and done it and was like, Ooh, no, never going to do that again. That was, that <laughs> was no fun. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Not going to do that again. Like, <laughs> it's nah, rare. It's, it is, man. It is. It's a, uh, it's a game changer and it's definitely, uh, it'll make you, I honestly feel like it's made me, um, a better bow hunter and a better person by, by doing the, uh, especially like the solo, the solo hunts, man. Yep. I really do. Yep. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I appreciate you coming on again, man. As always appreciate the friendship and, uh, congratulations on that stud muley, dude. It's, I'm glad you got it done. Hey man, appreciate it. And, uh, congrats on, uh, your buck in Oregon, dude. I'm sure it felt freaking uh, awesome to go on a muley hunt and be able to punch a tag in the fourth quarter like you did. Oh yeah, dude. It was awesome, man. It was a good year so far. And so we just need to polish her off with some whitetails. That's all we got.
No doubt. No so. doubt. All right, dude. All right. Everyone, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Good luck out there in the woods. Send us those kill photos, especially if you have some working class bow hunter gear on. If not, workingclassbowhunter.com and pick up some stuff. Shameless plug. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.